Hey everyone, and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news, stories, and highlights. I'm your host, Luke, and thank you so much for joining me on episode 50 of Games Are Fun. That's right, 5050 episodes. That's crazy. We're getting at that uh, one year anniversary since I started this podcast last year in 2018. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that today and where where I've seen the podcast uh, and how it's grown over the last year. Things that I'm I looking back at some of my favorite moments and then also kind of talking about the future. But before all that, just a reminder that Games Are Fun is a video game podcast that airs every Tuesday on all the major podcast platforms. It's available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Just search for Games Are Fun and you should be able to find it. Airs every Tuesday. Each week I'm talking about video games, what's going on in the industry, major news stories. I'm talking about what video games I'm playing, what video games I'm looking forward to, predictions on uh, certain events, you know, like E3. That's another thing that's coming up here pretty quick. But if you like video games, you've come to the right show. This is a show where I talk all things video games. So what's happening on this week's show? Well, like I said, I'm going to be kind of doing a self-reflection and talking about games are fun and what the podcast started out as and what it has evolved into today. So just kind of taking a trip down memory lane there. Um, but the if you are listening to this show, you've noticed that the podcast didn't air on Tuesday this week. Uh, and that's because I actually delayed the release of it to talk about Super Mario Maker 2 and everything that was announced during the Nintendo Direct that was held earlier this week. Uh, we had a whole Direct, I think it was 15 minutes long, and it talked about Super Mario Maker 2 that was announced at uh, one of the previous Nintendo Directs earlier this year. And so I wanted to push that back because that was a major news story. Didn't want to wait an entire week for the next week to to talk about. So I pushed this back a couple days. No harm, no foul there. So that's what one of the things we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Ghost Recon game, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, talking about that announcement, what that game looks like and everything about that. And then continuing the story with Ubisoft or Ubisoft. Um, we're going to be talking about their E3 2019. And uh, they've talked about some new, they kind of made a tease about uh, four new games are going to be releasing, I think before 2020, they said. And one of them is Ghost Recon uh, Breakout or Breakpoint, sorry. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. I'll give you some speculation on what those other three games could be. And then lastly, Minecraft has a new game coming to iOS and Android called Minecraft Earth. So I'm going to give you guys the rundown on what that game's all about. It's basically a Pokemon Go type game. It's an AR style game and it looks really interesting. So I'm going to be talking about the news release on that. Uh, but before we get to any of that, as a reminder, you can now support the show through your donations. I talked about this on last week's episode. If you go over to my Anchor page, just go on to Anchor, search for Games Are Fun. That's basically my hosting site for this podcast. There is a link to essentially donate to the show and help support the show. Uh, you can choose different tiers. You can choose a dollar a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. And at the moment, obviously, I can only offer you the podcast, but Funding the, the show and supporting the show through donations can really help elevate it to the next level. One of the things that I'm really wanting to do is save up for some more equipment so I can produce better quality podcasts for you guys. Um, it's just me in my office with my, uh, my, it's not even my laptop, it's my girlfriend's MacBook and then my Blue Yeti microphone and that's it. Uh, what I want to do is, you know, fun for my own laptop for once. Um, also get into some uh, equipment like additional microphones and mixers and stuff like that to have guests on the show, maybe create uh, better soundproofing within my office to record the show and stuff like that. Just improving the production. That's kind of my first goal if I could save up some funds to do that. This podcast is purely a hobby. I have a full-time job outside of this. And so yeah, your, your donations would be very much appreciated but of course they're completely voluntary you can still enjoy the show every single week on tuesdays as normal uh, but additional funds can really help the show uh, like i said for that new equipment but also things like um you know allowing me to invest in other things like a game uh I, like i said a laptop to you know, be able to explore new things like doing more things through video on YouTube. I kind of tried doing that, um, 
but I've been restricted with that just based on a lot of programs not being compatible with Mac and vice versa. Same with streaming, that's something that I've always wanted to get started with. And so that's kind of where your donations would go for the show. Um, again, I'm, I'm not down on my knees begging for this, but if you do feel that you would like to contribute to the show on that level, that would be greatly appreciated. I, I would, you would have, have my thanks um, if you were to do that. But if not, it's totally okay. You can totally enjoy the show uh, free, like I said, each and every Tuesday. So wanted to get that out of the way before we talked. And then uh, one other thing um, that I forgot to mention actually at the top of the show is I am actually going to give a brief review of Days Gone. I know I've teased this for the last three or four episodes, even before Days Gone came out. I said I was going to do this whole episode about Days Gone and giving a review for it. Unfortunately, this is where the dun 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 comes in, but I... It, let's just say my experience with it was not what I expected. I was really remaining optimistic even 10, 15 hours in. Now at the halfway to 75% completed the main storyline. I have some bad news. Um, more on that, I'll end off the show with that segment because um, I'm sure there's lots of you that aren't super interested and, and know that's going to probably be the same dialogue that a lot of people have been giving the game. Um, but I, if you, if you do want to stick around to the end of the show, I am going to be talking about what I liked about the game, what I don't like about the game and kind of why I've had to take uh, a step back and a break from it. So, uh, that's a little bit of a tease of kind of the direction that my review has gone for this game. Um, but that's the, what's happening with that. Uh, third, there is going to be an E3 predictions episode. So it's uh, bringing back memories of when I created this podcast. It started around E3 2018. And so one of my, I think the first or second episode, I might have even been the first episode was me predicting uh, basically what all the major press conferences were going to show off. So Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, Bethesda, Square Enix, um, Ubisoft, EA, all that stuff. I, I gave predictions. That is coming. I'm actually going to have a guest uh, Adam Beagle, he was on a previous episode of Games Are Fun. He's going to be joining me again, and we're going to be giving some predictions on each of the major press conferences. I think that would be really fun having another person on the show. Adam has great knowledge in what's going on in the industry and what the current state of video games are and what all the major companies are are looking at and what games are we're looking at as seeing possible release dates in the future that kind of stuff so um yeah it's great to have another person on the show to talk about those things and i'm really looking forward to it so uh that will pro that will obviously air before e3 which is only in a couple of weeks so um i i'm expecting episode 52 is kind of the plan to have the e3 predictions episode um so that's two weeks yeah, I think, let's see here. Not next week's episode or the week after that, but the three weeks from three Tuesday. I don't, we'll figure it out, okay? I'll give lots of notice. But it's a great segue into, make sure you're following me on my social media accounts. You can go over to Facebook, just search for Games Are Fun Podcast. Uh, there's also links to it in my anchor page. Uh, you can go over to Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod or go to Instagram at Games Are Fun Podcast. Go to my Twitter for sure, follow it, because that's where you're gonna get all the updates on the show. I also you know, give updates on things like, hey, I didn't mention this on last week's episode, but th this week's episode is gonna be pushed back two days because of this or whatever. Um, it's a great place for you to, to get updates, so make sure you're following over there. Uh, set alerts and notifications. I don't tweet a lot, so I'm not gonna be spamming your notification tab or whatever. I you can that way you can kind of get the alerts of what's happening with the show when new episodes are live that kind of stuff announcements for future stuff so make sure you do that it really would appreciate it um if we can get some bigger following over on those social media sites so uh let's let's get into things now where i want to wanted to start the show is um you know what, what I was going to do is I was going to end with the Days Gone review, but because there is a little bit of negativity towards that, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to save talking about the podcast till the very end, of, um, talking about what it, what this year's looked like for doing the podcast, where it started and where, where it is now. That's where I'll end the show because I think that's a much more positive note to end the show on. So that's where we'll leave it. So let's jump in right to the first news 
and that is Super Mario Maker 2. Uh, so Jackson Ryan over at CNET.com has compiled everything that we saw at the Nintendo Direct for Super Mario Maker 2. So Nintendo does this thing where they basically just randomly will send out on social media, or sometimes they won't even do that. Sometimes they'll just put up uh, videos on YouTube. I think we saw that last with the Persona uh, Joker reveal of when he was coming to Smash Brothers. Uh, that was just announced through a video that was posted and all the information about the stages and all the additional stuff that are, are coming in the update was announced just in a YouTube video. So Nintendo has this track record of just, hey, there's going to be a Pokemon Direct uh, later this week at this time. It's gonna be 10 minutes of Pokemon news or whatever. And I love this style. Like, uh, I don't think Nintendo Directs, I, again, I haven't been a Nintendo fan. I kind of fell out um, from my earlier days of really being a big Nintendo fan, going back to, you know, um, NES, SNES, Nintendo 64, and then missing not really being part of the Nintendo ecosystem, but when Nintendo Directs I started, I wasn't listening to them or really knew much about them. But from what I've heard, the dialogue about them is they started a little rough, but then they found their grounding and it was established on what these were, right? You have your, your big Nintendo Directs that can run anywhere between half an hour to 45 minutes. I think 45 minutes is even a bit of a stretch. Um, but they're, they're big chunks and they, they give lots of announcements. They give updates on games that are on the horizon they totally drop new announcements on games that we didn't even know right like uh we the biggest one in in recent history right now is legend of zelda uh, link's awakening being remade for the nintendo switch that's that's really fresh on my mind but even things like cuphead coming to this nintendo switch there there's big moments like that happening um in those nintendo directs and then you have your nindy showcase that's showing off all the indie games that are coming to Nintendo platform, Nintendo Switch. And then you have your kind of game focused directs, right? You have your Super Smash Brothers direct, you have your Pokemon directs. And then this one was for Super Mario Maker 2. And this was really cool because Super Mario Maker 2 was first announced at uh, that last big Nintendo direct that I mentioned. And it was said that it was coming this summer. And but the fan base was kind of wondering, okay, well, it looks a lot like Super Mario Maker, the first one. All, all There's a couple new features in here like slopes, etc. But how is it uh, a sequel, right? It looks just like DLC to the first game. Well, they held a direct and they announced a ton of stuff that this is definitely worth purchasing. So like I mentioned, Jackson Ryan, CNET.com. Super Mario Maker 2, everything announced during Nintendo Direct. So, Super Mario Maker 2 has eaten uh, eaten a ton of super mushrooms and really powered up. Has eaten a ton of super... Super Mario Maker has ate a ton... I don't know what... Is that the right way to say that? I think it is. It's just tripping me up. So, Nintendo aired the Super Mario Maker 2 Nintendo Direct on May 15th and announced a truckload of new features of the Make Your Own Mario Course game, the sequel to 2015's Super Mario Maker for Wii U. While the Direct veered into pure advertisement territory for a while there, and some fans online were calling it boring, a staggering amount of new features... See, that's interesting. I, I didn't read that from fans online, but whatever. A staggering amount of new features and modes were revealed, showing just how much Mario Maker 2 looks to have improved from the original. There was a lot of new information dumped on us in just 15 minutes, so we uh, collected all the new announcements right here. Um, so the first thing that we'll talk about here is the new tools. So these are the new tools that you'll basically be able to use to create courses. So the biggest one is create diagonal slopes or conveyor belts. Um, Angry Sun is coming back from, you know, the original Mario game. So you can have that freely draw snake blocks and the super fast blue snake block. Uh, you can have on and off switch for red and blue blocks, basically off makes them disappear on makes them reappear and you're able to stand on them. Uh, there's a seesaw. You can customize the water level. So there's three distinct water levels. So you can make the levels which begin above ground and finish underwater. That's so cool. Uh, you know, obviously underwater levels are nothing new to Super Mario Brothers, but having that change of water is really, really sweet. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. There, this feature might be in previous Mario games. 
um, maybe New Super Mario Brothers. I'm not really familiar, but that was something that I found very, very interesting. Um, create vertical sub areas, scroll stop, bonsai bill, dry bones shell, uh, imper impervious to lava. Um, you got big coins, 10, 30, and 50. New sounds and new music from longtime Mario composer Koji Kondo. Clear conditions can now be set for each level. Nintendo suggested clear conditions such as default all the dry bones in a level. Uh, twisters and icicles. You got Red Yoshi. You got Parachute. Boom Boom. New course themes, Desert, Snow, Forest, and Sky. So let And sorry, the moon. Uh, more on that below, which we'll talk about. So the first thing I... I obviously some of these are very vague and describing so I'm just going to be talking about a couple of them the first thing yeah the water level is great I really like that you'll you can change that uh, that like it's almost like a flood right the water level is kind of rising as you progress through the course that's really cool um, you know being able to create instead of side scrolling levels be able to now create the vertical scrolling levels that's really sweet as well um the condition, or sorry, the course themes are really sweet, like having desert, snow, forest, and sky. Um, they might mention this later in the article, but oh yeah, there is. So I'll save that. Uh, that's talking about the moon courses. So yeah, a lot as you can see, a lot of new features added to the game. I've never played Super Mario Maker 2. I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning of the show, but I was has always been interested in it. I didn't own a Wii U, and I was like, this looks like tons of fun. It uh, looks like a great game to not only be able to create awesome courses but to be able to play other courses that people created that's adding a whole nother element to the game which is really sweet and so it makes perfect sense and um i'm really glad i was just expecting a port for that game over onto the switch but we're getting a full sequel it's like here's all the things um from the first one and here's like a crap ton of new tools and stuff you can use to create courses and not only that as i'm going to read on with some of the other new features coming on they they they, they didn't just stop there they really added a ton of new things that i think a lot of people wanted from the first one so moving into the next thing they added is story mode so super mario maker 2 will include a story mode where you need to reconstruct a castle more than 100 courses are included in the mode created by nintendo's expert designers as you progress, there appears to be new characters you will interact with and they will offer you jobs, side quests of a sort. The further you get, the more you get to renovate your uh, castle and gain access to higher and higher levels. There's also a dog. It's called Undo Dog. It's cute for a square dog. All right. <laughs> um, so story mode, that's great. Uh, one of the features that a lot of people enjoyed is playing those levels that were created by Nintendo and like using the super mario maker tools and so you're going to be able to do that you know more than 100 courses included in the story mode so there's a lot of content just in itself right there and that's without even talking about you know the courses you can find online that other users create as well as creating your own, own courses so a lot of content uh talking about online capabilities nintendo announced a, su a suite of online options or sorry, a suit of online options for uh, Mario Maker 2, including the most obvious one, the ability to share your courses over the internet. You will need a Nintendo Switch online account to share any of your, uh, excuse me, any of your creations. The online component will include a very Miiverse-like assortment of features. You can filter courses and leave comments on ones that you've enjoyed, as if you're throwing someone a like on Facebook. Players will also be able to create a maker profile and will earn maker points when other players like their courses. You can also customize your look by completing objectives amid the endless challenge, challenge returns and courses queued up at random. But the biggest development is a new mode known as Network Play. It amounts to an online multiplayer experience so you can jump into courses with other Nintendo Switch users around the world and play together. Importantly, you can download courses and play offline, but whether this is limited in any way was not discussed. So let's break down a couple things here. Biggest is, I really like the fact that you can, um, you know, like and those creators are, are getting maker points so that you can kind of find those, those Mario makers that ha have really, basically are, are, are well known uh, have really great courses and and level design and stuff like that so uh, you can kind of find those 
those veterans in in that sense, which is really cool, right? Because there's nothing worse than when you're going through user created content, it's really hard to find good stuff, right? You you find stuff that isn't like not crap, but just like, it's not the, the top tier experience that you might be looking for at that specific time, right? So you can kind of go to someone who's credited as being a great course creator and play their courses. That's really sweet. And then secondly, I really like the online play. Um, they kind of talked about some local play that if you, you can play up kind of locally with three of your friends, like four switches in total and play that way. Uh, I can't remember all the details surrounding that, but the online capability is really cool because they kind of showed uh, like mini games within the courses. It's not just like running through the courses. There were some game elements to it and it reminded me a lot of actually Super Mario Party and some of the mini games that you play in that uh, when you're going against the time or you're going against lava or that kind of stuff that's the kind of vibe i got from that section of it and that definitely increased my interest level even more so uh, let's talk about the moon now so uh a real game changer nintendo announced a new tool a cheery smiling crescent moon the moon unlocks night courses across mario maker 2 which totally changes the way to play the moon follows the path of the enemy angry sun, and if you touch it, smiling face, you instantly torch all the enemies on screen. But the most interesting aspect of the moon for makers will be the fact that it transforms the courses you create based on their theme. For instance, in sky-themed courses, night mode means less gravity, whereas snow-themed courses becomes extra slippery and forest-themed courses become filled with poison water. Some items even transform too. So, What's really cool is we talked about the new features of having desert and snow and the forest and stuff like that. And now not only there's this night mode, but that night mode also affects those new courses. It's just like, man, it can't, it can't get any cooler than that when there's these new features added that make the new features even cooler. Like it just blew my mind. Um, I love that stuff. Uh, this was big, so playing Super Mario 3D World. The 3D World game style is very different to the other styles, and you can't toggle between the style and the game's four other styles without resetting the entire course. That's because 3D World has a number of features that only apply to its particular style. It will include Cat Mario, Cat Mario's Return and Meowser, as well as 3D World-specific tools such as the Clear Pipe, the Crate Mushroom Trampoline, the Warp Box, Spike Block, block, uh, blinking block, track block, and enemies such as Piranha Creeper, Skip Squeak, uh, I can't say that word, and Ninja Star throwing pom-pom. Oh, and there's now a Koopa Troopa car that Mario can jump into and zoom through levels as if it's a 2D Mario Kart. All in all, Super Mario Maker 2 looks absolutely stacked, and the game releases June 28th. So that's basically all the information that was shared in this particular article. I highly recommend just going back and watching the direct yourself. It's only 15 minutes long. This has definitely sold me easily. Hands down, I will buy this game. I was, As I mentioned, I was always interested in the game, but I was still like, mm, maybe... I don't know if it's enough to really make me go out on day one and buy it, you know, for full price. And also considering Nintendo games generally don't drop in price or very rarely go on sale unless it's like the holiday season. You know, it's the Nintendo game needs to be like a Legend of Zelda or a Breath of Wild or sorry, Super Mario Odyssey. That kind of level for me to justify the $80 Canadian dollar purchase on a brand new video game. But I, I genuinely do think that I'm going to go and buy this game when it comes out because it's just so full of content. I can really see myself on both sides playing all the courses as well as, you know, dabbling in creating my own courses and stuff like that. So I'm interested. I'm really looking forward to it. I thought this presentation was great. Like I said, it it said here's all the new features and really highlighted that. Um, one thing I the article didn't mention but was in the direct presentation is they included this voucher deal for Nintendo online subscribers. So basically you can buy these game vouchers that for are applicable to two games and you can basically two full price games. We'll, we'll use us dollars for, for the sake or 
a game is sixty dollars each, so it's one hundred twenty bucks. If you you can buy these vouchers, the voucher you can get two games for ninety nine ninety nine, and so you're essentially saving twenty bucks. And it's for all like first party Nintendo games, so like Pokemon, Let's Go Pikachu, Eevee, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Splatoon two, Smash Brothers, uh, you you name it. If it's a big title like that, um, you'll be able to do that. So that's great. Um, it sucks for those people, I guess, that have all those games already, but for me who only have a couple of them, i you can definitely bet, uh, if I had the extra cash line around, um, I would totally go and buy that and save 20 bucks because that, that, that's a decent deal. Um, and when you look at it in some respect, uh, a Nintendo online subscription is $20 for the year. And so you're kind of getting your money's back just by doing that if you're gonna buy the games anyways, right? So very interesting stuff. Um, really like the presentation, really looking forward to Super Mario Maker 2, and I'm interested in hearing what you guys think about it. So if you wanna email me at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com, just let me know what do you think of Super Mario Maker 2? Um, do you have any doubts about it? Any concerns about it? What are you excited for? Um, is there any kind of styles you would like to see in the game? I know some people have talked about uh, bringing you know, paper Mario style to this game for Mario Maker. I don't know if that's doable or not, but that'd be cool. I'm interested in hearing what you guys have to think. So uh, yeah, send me your emails at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com. Moving on, Ghost Recon Breakpoint has been revealed for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, and it's coming October 4th. So this is from Kevin Knezevic. Knezevic. Kevin Nezevic at GameSpot.com. So there was a leak prior to this. So just as a recent leak suggested, a new Ghost Recon game is on the way this year. Ubisoft officially unveiled a brand new entry in the series during a world premiere live stream on May 9th titled Ghost Recon Breakpoint. The new open world shooter is coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC as an Epic Store exclusive, of course, and uh, this fall, and it introduces some notable changes to the tactical shooter franchise. Whereas 2017's Ghost Recon Wildlands took place in Bolivia, Breakpoint is set in Aurora, Aurora, a a fictional Pacific uh, reminiscent of New Zealand. Aurora is home home to Scale Technology, a corporation specializing in AI drone tech. When communication with the company ceases, you're sent to Archipelago, you guys know I'm I'm brutal with the, these these words uh, to investigate. When you arrive, however, you find yourself not in the role of a hunter but the hunted. The game seems to have a clear political themes, although Ubisoft insists it isn't making any political statements. Throughout the game, you'll encounter a paramilitary group known as the Wolves, who Ubisoft says are just as skilled on the battlefield as the Ghosts. Because of this, the the game places a greater emphasis on stealth. You'll be able to employ drones and hide the bodies of enemies you kill. Similarly, you can avoid detecting by crouching in foliage or covering yourself with mud. The game also features some survival elements. Any injuries you sustain will need to be treated and you'll need to maintain your weapons. The wolves are led by Cole D. Walker, who is portrayed by actor John Bernthal. Wildlands players will recognize Walker as the former ghost who was introduced in that in that game's recent Operation Oracle update, which Ubisoft says serves as a prelude to Breakpoint. In contrast with Wildlands, the perks, abilities, and weapons you'll be able to use in Breakpoint are determined by distinct character classes. Ubisoft says there will be four of these available at launch, with additional classes following in the months after release. The company also confirmed there will be a solo, co-op, and PvP modes at launch, and your progress will carry over between them. Ghost Recon Breakpoint launches for PS4, Xbox One, and PC on October 4th. Players who pre-order the title will get access to the upcoming beta test ahead of the game's release. Um, so yeah, they not only did they give a cinematic trailer announcing the game, we also got uh, a look, I think, at roughly 15 minutes of gameplay. So I watched both of them, and this the game looks really, really great. Um, I did play Ghost Recon's Wildlands. I did not play the entire game but i did uh play quite a bit of it and i know that that game got a lot of post-release content a lot of dlc uh even that like they had the splinter cell dlc added to it um that was a game that was really well received from what i understood it it must have had a pretty strong 
player base because it continued to add content years after it came out, which was really cool to see. And then with this one, I mean, I'm excited. I watched the gameplay and it looked really, really cool. I saw some comments on YouTube and Facebook or whatever talking about how good it looked and, you know, talking about, well, everyone can remember how Watch Dogs looked when it was first announced and that game looked nothing like what the, like, is it pre-rendered trailer, blah, blah, blah. Um, regardless of that, I think we're at a point in gaming where games are generally pretty impressive compared to like 10 years ago. They look quite realistic and unless they have a, a cartoony art style or a non-realistic art style, games that are trying to go for that real life look generally do it pretty good. At least the AAA studios do. Um, and yeah, it looks really good. I do like that uh, sense of being hunted in the gameplay trailer they show you kind of get well even in both trailers the cinematic trailer as well you're basically being hunted down by these people on this island and that's really really cool to me because you're kind of stuck on this island and you're trying to uh, you know make your objectives and stuff like that but you also have this you know these bad guys hunting you essentially you're not hunting down them and trying to get the prize at the end um, you're trying to get the prize or or get whatever you need done I'm assuming probably kill the bad guy and they're, they're you're making it they're making it difficult because this is their island they control it and you know you you're the one that has to use stealth and stuff like that to to do it and, and that that's where the fun comes for me like there there was a bit of adrenaline seeing especially the gameplay the the guys chasing him him and like him sliding down the mountain and getting in the foliage getting in the mud and covering himself to go stealth and I'm really interested that I am, you know, interested in this game. I'm sorry, I'm surprised that I'm interested in this game because stealth games I really enjoy, but I'm not very good at them. I'm really bad at stealth. Things go uh, crazy really early on in, in, in my stealth game experiences. And they go crazy and I end up blowing, blowing my cover and shit hits the fan, uh, to put it blunt. And uh, that's why I kind of steer away from self games because I'm not very good at it. But there, I'm I'm really interested in this. I think uh, it gives me some vibes of some of different things like Metal Gear Solid and such. And I, I'm to I'm totally sold just by watching the trailer. Uh, looks really cool. And I'm assuming that at E3 2019, Ubisoft is going to probably talk about even more about it. Um, which is a great segue into my next piece. So E3 2019 Ubisoft. So uh, here's uh, IG, or sorry, GameSpot again, Steve Watts uh, has an article, E3 2019, all the Ubisoft games confirmed so far. Uh, so E3 2019 is almost upon us, the time of the year when publishers announce and promote their biggest games. Ubisoft has already started to lay the groundwork with one announcement, but it appears to have much more to come on top of that. Ubisoft's press conferences will take place on Monday, June 10th, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, sandwiched between limited run games and Square Enix. You can check out the full press conference schedule for full details. Uh, the company already announced one of its big games for the fall, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. That game is coming in October. So E3 promises to be our first in-depth look at the game. Ubisoft also announced it has three more AAA games releasing by March 31st, 2020. It hasn't detailed what those are, but they're very likely to be announced at E3. Ubisoft stressed that those three games make up a diverse catalog for the next fiscal year, which means we may see very different genres represented. One of them could be a new Just Dance title, as Ubisoft has often shown those off at E3. We already know that one of the games won't be Skull and Bones, the pirate combat game. Ubisoft recently pushed it to next year. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to talk about this article is because I heard... Uh, you know, like kind of funny talking about earlier this week. And there was some great speculation of what those three games could be. So we know Ghost Recons is going to be there. Um, other things that Ubisoft has on the horizon is that Skull and Bone pirate game. But that's ran into some trouble with uh, one of the directors or someone leaving the studio last year and it running into some issues. And so... We're, they're not even going to have, it's been delayed and they're not even going to be 
showing it at E3. Um, we have Beyond Good and Evil 2. So far with that, um, I think we have seen a bit of gameplay, if I'm not mistaken, on that. Maybe that was last E3. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I I don't know. It's really hard to say if that is one of the three games or not. But just off the top of my head, like that's, that's one that's sticking out for sure. Um, I really hope that one of these three games, that article kind of made me upset when they mentioned Just Dance, because I think that's a given. I, I, I genuinely wish they don't, they only give that a couple minutes. It seems like they give Just Dance way too much time every year at Ubisoft. I'm waiting for the year that they just give it a small, and I know that it's for the people, like, I don't know, it's cringy to me. I don't really care for it. It's taking up uh, conference time to talk about other stuff, or maybe not, I don't know, but I just, I'm not a fan of it. What I would really like to see, and I heard Tim Geddes bring this up on a podcast, uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily, earlier this week, and that is Prince of Persia. Like, without a doubt, it would be, I would my mind would be blown if there was a Prince of Persia reboot. That game kind of got absorbed into being Assassin's Creed and stuff. We haven't seen, uh, I think the last one was The Forgotten Sands or something like that for Xbox 360 and like PS3. Uh, but I loved Prince of Persia growing up. Sands of Time was my all-time, one of my all-time favorite games growing up. I remember receiving that game for Christmas and just being beyond excited to play it. Um, so I would, I would lose my mind. Like that would be my E3 get hype moment if they had a new Prince of Persia game. But I, that's that's a stretch. Um, I think a Watch Dogs three is in- inevitable. Um, there's been rumors and speculation and leaks about that game existed and existing and it also being set in London potentially so that would be quite cool um I don't think there's going to be Assassin's Creed released by then they already said that they're going to take a year off again um they did Origins then they did Odyssey and Origins was after taking a year break from Syndicate I believe was the last one before that and so I like this I, I would like you know taking a break ever so often for the Assassin's Creed games. I know Odyssey did really, really well, and Assassin's Creed uh, seems to be back back going up for the franchise um, with, with their games, with their last couple releases. So I don't really see... Like, I think they said that there wasn't going to be an Assassin's Creed for this year, like 2019, but... You know, this is until March 2020, but I don't see them releasing an Assassin's Creed game uh, in the first quarter of next year. Um, or sorry, I guess it'd be the fourth quarter of the fiscal year, but you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, my guess is as good as any, but I, it's, it's fun to kind of speculate. I, I really hope that one of them is a new IP, maybe something that we haven't known about, um, that would be really cool, but of course, introducing new IPs does mean risk. Um, if your IP isn't well received from the get-go, and and people are skeptical, that's going to be really hard to sell it. And even if people are on board, like you really need to to provide a good gameplay experience for those gamers to become invested into a franchise, right? Um, obviously, at some point, all our favorite franchises started off with that, but. You know, it's really hard to say. Uh, the big the big one that is running around in a lot of people's heads is Splinter Cell as well. It's been a long time since we've had gotten one of those games. I, we haven't even gotten a Splinter Cell game this generation. The last one was 2013, I believe. And so, yeah, there's been rumors. Uh, dating back to last E3, we got that Walmart Canada E3 League. Every single one of those games turned out to be true. And so far, Splinter Cell is the only one we haven't heard about yet. So I don't know. And then there was uh, Splinter Cell uh, developer or whatever teasing on Twitter that they were working on it. But then they said that they were just trolling. It was a joke and blah, blah, blah. So who knows? I don't know. I'm really hoping there's a new Splinter Cell. But uh, you can catch our E3 predictions episode of Games Are Fun. And uh, we'll be talking probably, I'm sure, putting in some predictions on what Ubisoft could be presenting this year at E3 2019. Now, moving on to the last story before we talk about Days Gone, uh, let's talk about Minecraft's new game. So this is coming from The Verge, uh, Tom Warren. Minecraft Earth goes a step beyond Pokemon Go 
to cover the world in blocks. Alex Kipman, Microsoft's HoloLens and Kinect creator, is always enthusiastic about the future of computing. As he stands in front of me inside a Minecraft-themed conference room on Microsoft's campus in Redmond, Washington, I'm immediately drawn to the stacks of Lego blocks on the table beside him. Lego is the perfect analogy for Minecraft. For a decade, it's been a game that millions use to build their own creations out of virtual blocks of materials. Minecraft employees use Lego blocks to build miniature buildings during meetings, but over the past 12 months, they've been adventuring outside to secretly test a new way to play Minecraft. In the same building where Microsoft is creating the next Halo game, a team of engineers and game designers have been dreaming up the future of Minecraft on mobile phones with the help of the HoloLens team. Minecraft Earth is a new free-to-play game for iOS and Android that's surprisingly ambitious for Microsoft. We've already seen holograms through Microsoft HoloLens headset, but the company now wants to bring this technology to a much broader scale with the help of Minecraft Earth. Pokemon Go saw 20 million people searching for Pokemon in streets worldwide back in 2016 thanks to augmented reality. Minecraft has 91 million active players and now Microsoft wants to take the Pokemon Go concept to concept a big step further by letting Microsoft sorry Minecraft players create and share whatever they've made in the game with friends in the real world away from TV screens and monitors. Minecraft Earth proposes to completely break the dogma that has lived with us in computing since the beginning. This idea of a single person that holds a single device to create a single experience says Kipman. With Minecraft Earth, that's no longer the case. The content is in real in the real world. Imagine sitting at home and building something in Minecraft on your phone and then dropping it into your local park for all your friends to see it together at the same exact location. Minecraft Earth aims to transform AR gaming from single-person experiences into a living, breathing virtual world that's shared by everyone. If Microsoft succeeds, you'll be able to walk into a mall and point your phone's camera at a McDonald's Minecrafted adventure while you're eating a Big Mac or see your own giant structures next to actual buildings. This hugely ambitious project starts with some basics in the form of Minecraft Earth. The game will be available in beta, beta on iOS and Android this summer and I got to try various forms of it at Microsoft campus a couple of weeks ago. It's fair to say the game I played was basic, occasionally buggy, but very impressive. While the regular version of Minecraft lets players play in modes like creative with unlimited blocks and items, or survival, if you die, you lose your items, Microsoft is blending these traditional modes into a new way to play Minecraft. This is an adaptation, this is not a direct translation of Minecraft, explains Torfi Olofsson, game director of Minecraft Earth. While it's an adaptation, it's built on the existing Bedrock engine, so it will be very familiar to existing Minecraft players. If you like building redstone machines, or you're used to how water flows, or how sands fall down, it all works, says Olofsson. All of the mobs of animals and creatures in Minecraft are available too, including a new pig that really loves mud. We have tried to stay very true to kind of core design pillars of Minecraft, and we have worked with the design team in Stockholm to make sure that the spirit of the game is carried through. Um, the, uh, the article goes on like way longer than this. Uh, so please go over to the verge. I just wanted to read like the first, you know, three or four paragraphs of it to kind of just talk about the announcement, but seriously, uh, definitely go over to the verge. I'll even link this in my Facebook, uh, and I'll actually put it in my show notes. I have to set a reminder to do that because this article it's long. I mean, this is a exclusive look at the game that the verge got, uh, with, you know, Microsoft and Mojang. Um, so this game's really, really cool for a lot of reasons. First being is, I think it is not just being a copycat of Pokemon Go. The concept is there, it's using AR, you're going out into the real world, but it's like more of, of having that creation side to it, be able to create things and then share them in the real world, right? Um, I don't think this is going to have as big of a following uh, as Pokemon Go, I know that Minecraft is extremely popular, but the thing with Pokemon Go is that it, you know, a lot, it hits a lot of different age categories where I think Minecraft is generally, its target audience is children. And I know that there's lots of people and lots of age groups that play it, but Pokemon Go can hit on so many, it can hit the younger generations, it can hit the older generations, the, you know, the people that grew up with the anime and the, the original games for Game Boy Color and stuff. And you know, so my, it might be a little bit different than that, but I also think it's a great thing to be able to do, you know, with parents and kids and 
you know, going to the park and bringing that, still going out and doing something with your family, but also bringing that that new technology of AR and integrating into going out in the real world and playing and stuff. Uh, I love when they can kind of blend that. Uh, the one thing that I really like about Minecraft is that it really makes kids and people channel their creativity and, and create new things and stuff. And so be able to go out and do that with friends and family and other people and and see these creations that people make is really, really cool. So I really like this concept. I'm not, I don't know what it looks like yet because the trailer that was released was just kind of like a CGI trailer. We don't know what gameplay will actually consist of. Um, they're running a beta, so hopefully they'll be able to work out all the kinks that will be brought up because they're, will no doubt be a ton of issues once they give this to a large group of people to play but it's exciting i think it's really cool i could definitely see me playing this uh, with my nephews who are big fans of minecraft um it's, it's it's really interesting my only question is is how these new creations like can be used like i hate to say it but if someone created uh a giant dick or something like that you know like we see that kind of stuff in like super smash brothers stage creator and because this is a game aimed for kids like how are they going to be able to block like i don't know i like that's a really weird thing to bring up but it's true or like how can we prevent uh certain areas of being polluted with just a ton of creations that you can't even see right um see see one standing out from all the rest right if you're in a field then there's three great if you go to another high traffic area and there's like 25 different you know creations in in that you can see through your phone and stuff like what's the point of that so i'm sure they already have these questions answered we just don't know them yet and maybe again um the the verge talks about them in the article i can't remember uh 20 he does talk about it a little bit more, so I'm sure my questions are answered in that. But um, I, I more wanted to just focus on the announcement with that and, and let you guys read if you want to know more information. But I'm excited. Looks cool. Can't wait to see more. Uh, I will keep it on my radar for now, and hopefully we can report back once this uh, goes into beta. So now let's move on to uh, kind of our last bigger segment of the show, and let's talk about Days Gone. So... Like I said, at the top of the show, about three, four weeks ago, I talked about Days Gone and how excited I was for it and how is, even though there were some uh, criticisms towards the game before I bought it, I was going in optimistic and you know what, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to judge for myself and play it. I had lots of, I had tons of, not tons, but I had some spare cash set aside so that I essentially didn't pay anything out of my pocket for this game. Um, so it was kind of like no harm, no foul. If I pay and bought it great there wasn't really anything out at that moment i kind of wish i would have saved a little bit more and uh got rage 2 instead but i let's let's just start off with a couple things okay so days gone you're playing as deacon saint john he is in basically the game is set about 200 days after this zombie apocalypse has started okay they're not called zombies they're called freakers in the game they're basically they act kind of like zombies but they're they're not like your typical dumb zombie, slow and uh, they are like fast, like World War Z zombies. They they can uh, group together in hordes, and yeah, basically, you're you're set in this open world environment set in Oregon. Uh, this isn't a spoiler. This is like this is the plot of the game. Your wife Sarah uh, was split up from you when the the shit hit the fan and everything went down. And um, you're, you're kind of like looking at clues and maybe connecting with her, not knowing what happened to her, trying to put those pieces together because you kind of get split up from her. You think she's probably dead, but you're not really sure. And not only that, you're just there to survive. And um, there's different camps set up around the map. Um, they're basically these camps they give you jobs and stuff like that and you can create trust levels and with the within these trust levels if you increase your trust levels you can actually get better equipment um each camp kind of specializes into different things 
Um, some camps really specialize into really good weapons, whereas others specialize into more upgrading your motorcycle. Um, Deacon is a, a biker. He was in, in a motorcycle gang or motorcycle club, I guess, before the apocalypse started. Um, even after the apocalypse, he's, he's no longer in this gang, but he still wears his cuts and everything like that. Um, and yeah, we, basically the, the objective game is, is doing a variety of missions, whether it's dealing with, um, you know, hostile groups of people that are trying to kill you, um, dealing with like a kind of culty group. Um, you're dealing with this, this government agency called Nero, who's obviously trying to investigate where this virus came from, that kind of stuff. Um, but you're kind of in like, uh, the infected zone, right? So they're not there to help you or anything there. We're long past like evacuation and, and, you know, setting up, a, uh, relocation camps and that kind of stuff. This is 200 days after everything. So everything's really well established at that point of uh, what's been happening and in, in, in the world. Um, then the other thing is is dealing with these these freakers, right? They they're all over the place. They're they're scattered through the map, but they also the coolest part is the hordes. Um, when you encounter a big horde, it's crazy because if you encounter them, like you're dead. There's a, definitely a level of skill that needs to you you have to do things a certain way to take on a horde. Um, using your environment to kill them, having enough ammunition supplies, having a good approach as to how you're going to tackle them that kind of stuff um, but the hordes are really cool and, and they're really freaky when you come across them unexpectedly when you're kind of just in this map and uh, in a certain section of the map and then over a ridge you just see a huge mass of hordes or when you accidentally stumble into a cave and they're all hibernating crouched down in the cave that's really really cool uh, one of the first things I wanted to talk about is the map so you're set in Oregon uh, I heard some people talking about the map being kind of bland and boring. I disagree. I think that um, although to someone who lives in the, I guess, the west side of North America, the environment is nothing that I have never seen before. But I could see how someone in a different part of the world, maybe Japan or something, would be very intrigued with this, uh, these lush forests um, and then these huge mountain ranges and everything like that. Um, I'm very at home with it and that's kind of why I enjoyed it. Um, it's not all the same because there's some areas that are more hilly and mountain, less trees, and then you got dense forests and then you have the sections that are more barren and dry and have more of the badlands uh, aspect to them and stuff. And that, that's really cool. I like the the map is a good size. It's not too big. Uh, you travel everywhere by motorcycle and you have to there's two things to your motorcycle. One is filling it up with gas. So you can find gas cans scattered throughout the map or there's actual gas stations that you can fuel up at. Um, either of those work. I didn't really find myself running out of gas too often. It was the, I, I think I've done it twice or three times. And that's just based on the fact that I haven't been paying attention to my gas meter or whatever. Um, if you, you pay attention, you're, you like gas isn't, like hard to find. Um, and then the second is repairing your motorcycle. So as you kind of go off jumps and bump into stuff, your motorcycle is definitely going to take some wear and tear. And then you have to use crafting material that you can kind of scavenge through off of cars and stuff like that to repair your bike. Um, that can get a little tedious at times. Um, there's certain sections where it's like, what the heck? I just repaired my bike and it's already done again. Right. Um, the main missions, like I said, consists of progressing the storyline and um, interacting with different characters throughout the map. The other aspect is clearing these infestations. There's certain areas of the map that have nests with all these freakers. You have to go in, clear them out. Um, when you burn these nests, these, not like a giant horde, but a whole bunch of freakers pile out of the nest and try to attack you. Um, the combat's pretty straightforward. It's your average, uh, you know, you have your handguns and then you have your ranged weapons whether that's a shotgun or an assault rifle or just a semi-automatic rifle um, and then you can get kind of like a special weapon so you can get a crossbow you can get a light machine gun you can get a sniper rifle that kind of stuff uh, you can get lots of cool creative things like um, 
attractors so like things you can throw that make noise that will attract zombies to them um you got your molotov cocktails you got frag grenades pipe bombs uh, you got melee weapons you always carry a knife but you can also get things like baseball bats um axes pickaxes uh two by fours etc etc um to use as weapons and you can actually find blueprints to create weapon it kind of remind me a little bit of like dead rising back in the day when you find blueprints to create certain things and you could create a baseball bat with a saw blade sticking out of it or something like that and obviously those craftable melee weapons are definitely stronger and do much more damage um you can set traps as well you can set bear traps um that you find um in in the, the certain areas and stuff you can pick them up and set them and lure enemies into them and and whatnot um so yeah the combat is great the cover system sucks you can't like jump like and cover behind something you can crouch down and then you kind of have to walk over to it. it doesn't like um like connect to that thing that you're wanting to cover behind like in a gears of war game or something like that and so that has made it kind of finicky at times um but the here's where everything comes down. The game is fun to play. I enjoyed it. Uh, doing the missions here and there are fun. The story's fairly interesting for the most part. The gameplay mechanics are, are great. But there are some issues that I just couldn't bear any longer. So it is true that there is some graphical issues there. The most notable being frame drops. When you play the game, specifically when you're riding the motorcycle from one point to another, you can see some really significant frame drops, like really bad stuttering. And it is not fun. Like there is a time where uh, it drops so bad that I'm just like, you know what? This is frustrating me. I'm just going to take a break, come back into it with a fresh mind. And then, you know, I didn't really encounter it. People were reporting that before day one release, they put out a ton of patches since then. I'm playing like the most current up-to-date version and I'm still getting that. And I that seems to be the dialogue for anyone who has a, a launch PS4, a PS4 Slim, which is what I have, or a PS4 Pro, that they're still encountering those bugs, which is just unacceptable for a AAA game of this level. Um, another issue is the I was having fun with those missions and stuff, but now I'm getting to the point where I'm deep enough into the game that I've done so many of them that I'm I'm getting bored. They're they're getting tedious. I'm getting you know dried out from them. And yeah, when I was early on, I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. The missions are somewhat fun to me, and I think that's where the the problem comes with Days Gone is they try to pack. They make this big long game, but there's so much unnecessary things to it. Like I went on to this one side quest where I had to retrieve this item. I went retrieved the item, had to kill a bunch of freakers, probably took me like 30 minutes to an hour to complete this mission, bring it back. And there's literally a cutscene that triggers and the the NPC said, thanks. And then it was like mission complete. And I'm like, are you effing kidding me right now? Like I basically spent all this time to do this and it's it wasn't worth anything. Like what it, what is the point to the, all this? And I, so... Long story short, I had encountered enough of this to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm getting really angry at this game now. I'm now kind of went from enjoying it to kind of being, okay, I'm going to give it a pass to, okay, I need to maybe not play it in chunks. Maybe just play it, you know, for an hour here, hour there to the point where like, I need to step away from this game for a solid, you know, month or two and then come back into it when maybe they've even patched out some more problems they encountered and come in with a fresh mind and just play it uh jump into it again i think that's what i'm going and so that's what i'm going to do for this and so that's kind of what leads us to this moment right now is i couldn't do a full review on this game because it would just honestly be me talking about different things i'm, I'm still i'm a little heated over it right now because you know i i, I just stopped last week playing it because it just couldn't do it anymore so it's i'm really unfortunate um now, is it a bad game? I don't think it's bad. I think it's it's a decent game, 
but it is definitely not a game that you should go out and buy for the full price. This is a game that in a year, a year from now, probably even less than that, it's going to be, you know, a $20 game, $19.99 to maybe $30. Pick it up then. That is definitely worth it for what this game offers. It has it has a lot of content, some of it unnecessary, but it is a big open world game with lots of characters and so much work went into it. And I totally respect um, everyone who put in so much work to create this brand new IP and this open world. That's like something that is really hard to pull off. And so I commend, you know, the, the developers behind it, but it's just so unfortunate that it missed the mark on so many spots. So uh, yeah, hopefully in a month or so, I can kind of give you an update if I've gone back to it or not. I do want to beat it. I don't want to leave it and let it get into the backlog, but uh, I, I moved on and taking a break from that and playing some other games to just kind of refresh my memory. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with it, but it's, I hate to say it, but that that's my days gone review for right now. It's kind of a review in progress, I guess, at this point. But um, yeah, I did want to. I didn't want to just uh, like I, I, I've kind of learned my lesson on this one a little bit. I think from now on, I'm going to play the games and then decide if I want to do a review episode for them because I might find myself in that situation where like, oh, I said I'm going to commit to doing this episode all about this game but now I'm finding I don't really want to do that because I'm not enjoying it right it's it's much easier to talk about the good things or the things you like than the bad things um or maybe it's easier to talk about the bad things but that can sometimes not be super enjoyable for the listener they want to hear fun things and things that are entertaining and if I just go and do an hour-long show and talk about all the bad things I don't like about something you know that you know, there comes a line where it be starts as being informative and informing the listener of what they can expect from something to, okay, now we're just listening to you vent and ramble on about all these things you don't like about a video game. So that, that's kind of why I, I decided to do it this way. And moving forward, I'm, I'm going to put more thought behind that. Uh, so again, apologies to anyone who was really hoping for a flushed out episode that was all about Days Gone. Um, you know, that's totally on me. I, 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 I've been beating myself up more than I should, but I, I did, uh, I was disappointed that I couldn't provide that for you guys. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, moving on to one more thing and then we'll wrap the show. Let's talk about the podcast and where it started. And, um, so yeah, it last year, I really wanted to find a creative outlet for my love of video games. I've always been interested in doing something. Even going back, I remember in middle school, I wanted to be a, when YouTube was really in its early days, I'm talking early day YouTube, it had probably been around for like two or three years. I wanted to create videos relating to video games, like gameplay videos, essentially what are called let's plays nowadays. And I wanted to, I even, I would grab my point and shoot camera and set it on a stack of like boxes or something and like capture my gameplay through there. Um, but I knew that I, I've always kind of wanted to do that, but I didn't know the right way to do that. And then when streaming became so popular, streaming video games, that was something that I was a perfect avenue for it, but I didn't have the resources available to kind of do that. And then this generation, we have, you know, the Twitch app and the Mixer app where you can just basically broadcast your games right from your consoles. You don't need this extra equipment. And I dabbled in that a little bit, but I found that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then last year, I was really thinking, you know, I really enjoy listening to podcasts. I would really like to start my own podcast well, what could it be about and then i'm like well why don't i put it towards something that i've been passionate about for my entire life and that's video games and so basically what the the podcast started was just a creative outlet for me to basically each week talk about what i and it's still that's what it is today it's i talk about what i think about video games and um what i think about certain major news stories that or game announcements that have been announced and that kind of stuff and just share my thoughts about them I didn't really expect too many, not to sound uh, negative or anything, but like, honestly, I didn't think too many people would listen. It's just me talking uh, anywhere from a half hour to an hour. Who wants to listen to that? But what was really cool is a couple months in, 
I, I, you guys started listening to the show and not only that, you started providing feedback. Uh, Brian, um, Coleman, um, Matt, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, like those early days, like that, you guys, I have to give a huge shout out to you because you really helped motivate me to, to keep on track with this. If I went three or four months in and was basically getting nowhere, even though I started it as a creative outlet and have it for myself, I, it would have been much harder to do, right? Having those people come in and support and, and give feedback and comments on the show, you know, that is what really makes me enjoy doing this podcast. So, um, one of the things I said at the beginning of this year is from last year, you know, I, the podcast was a kind of a side thought all the time. It was something, oh, let's p- scramble things together and, you know, a half hour before I need to record and make a show out of it. Now, that still does happen from time to time more than I would like it to, but I've gone to a point where I'm now trying to establish a format for the show so you can kind of have expectations on what it's about. I've been bringing in more guests. You know, I had Adam on, I had, um, Andrew on at the beginning of the year, I had Matt on, I had Coleman on, and uh, I actually have two or three more guests lined up for the coming months. And so I, I really want to continue evolving this podcast to the point where it's a well-established show. Um, what would be ideal is finding a partner for this show. Um, I'm not making an official request for that or anything right now. Um, because I don't, my schedules are so sporadic that I, I don't want somebody to have to always accommodate to my schedule on when I can record if it's, you know, 12 a.m. Tuesday morning or if it's Friday at 5.30 p.m. Like, it really varies from time to time. And so I... I, I can't commit to that at this moment, but that's that's kind of what I would love to, for this to evolve into is to go from me sitting in front of a microphone talking about video games and what I like about them to a, a podcast show where we can kind of structure something and, and have reoccurring segments and stuff like that. So regardless of all of that, I'm really uh, happy with how the show's progressed over the last year. Um, I'm really excited to see it continue to grow, have you guys continue to listen, um, and hopefully it just keeps going up from here. So thank you to everyone who has supported the show over the last year. I could not have done it without you guys. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and that's where we're going to end today's show. If you guys could please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening to on. If it's on iTunes, please subscribe, leave a review. The reviews on iTunes go such a long way. Even if you don't listen to on iTunes, but you have an iTunes account, go on there, leave me a review, leave me a comment. iTunes is a great platform. That's where I get a majority of my listens from is through Apple Podcasts. So please go on there and and do that right now if you could. That would be awesome. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to episode 50 of Games Are Fun. We will talk to you guys next week. We're only a couple weeks away from E3, so the next couple shows are going to be very packed with news and information. So we'll talk to you guys then, and enjoy the rest of, enjoy the weekend. Talk to you later.